I'm happy to finally get you on our show, man. You you the best point guard I didn't play with. You my favorite point guard to play with, man. So it's only right to have you here. I don't know what took so long. I was waiting on Cuba. I don't know what took so long, <laughs> That's but all I'm long definitely uh, we should have been had Mighty Mouse. Yeah, I'm definitely excited to uh, have you on the show. So I appreciate you coming on rocking with us, bro. No, man, glad to be here. You know, I'm excited about this, man, especially playing with you, competing against Q. Hell, I got some questions for y'all. <laughs> <laughs> when you first got to the league, who was the first person to bust your ass? Mm. John Stockton. Stockton. Damn. Yep. You big them off up too. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it was in Toronto. I was feeling myself. It was early on. I had some good games. And uh, ooh, he just wore me out. They had like 27 and 15. I had like seven and nine or seven and five. <laughs> But what he just, was doing? He, he was just wasn't smart, getting, smarter, just, just, like. just clever, tricking me, <laughs> just coming down and picking me apart like a surgeon with a scalpel, and I was just getting more mad by the moment, and the more I got mad, the more he just started serving me, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was his strength a big factor? Because people be sleep that John Stockton was strong as shit. So John was strong, and he had big hands. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the game was played different, so... He never put the ball in his left hand, first of all. Right. And so, thing about John, he could hold you off with that left mm -hmm. hand like this and pass with the right, and he put the ball way back there. And that's, you know, he was he was just strong. And then he had old boy Malone setting the mean screens. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, nah, he, he, he was clever. He was strong. He just outthought you. Now, with that being said, you know, fast forward, you know, as I got to Portland and my teams got better, it became different, but I'm just saying, like, <laughs> people don't understand, like, how, you know, you talk about some of the greats, but Stockton was, you know, he was that dude that, to me, you had to you had to think it with him, too. Yeah. It wasn't just going to be no physical thing, you yeah. know. You might have had more talent than him, but his mindset is what allowed him, to me, to be the best that he was. I don't think nobody ever going to take down his assist record in the league. Nah, 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 nah. It's crazy. Nah. I don't think he's going to get I, touched, like, for real. Yo, 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 we live on location, ATL Shawty, me and the blackest one in the building. We came Lord. out here for a special reason, a former teammate of black. Yep, my favorite that, point guard. Hey, his favorite point guard, but listen, <laughs> he literally got that Toronto Raptors situation rolling out there in T-Dot. First pick for them. Number seven pick overall. Now he the head coach of Georgia Tech. All you young players, boy, you point guards for show, especially. He needs some big mans and wings, too, but you know he a PG. <laughs> I bet come holler at him, man. We got Damon Stoudemire, head coach of G-Tech in the building. Yes, Appreciate sir. you, Biggie, for pulling up. Appreciate <laughs> y'all, man. Glad to be here. Presented by Sleeper. Portland, Oregon. I had the opportunity to stay in Portland, <laughs> like one of the most beautiful places. I, I always tell people about Portland, of how colorful it was. Like the grass looked way more greener than the regular grass you see in the Midwest or something. But I love Portland, how cool it was. But you grew up in Portland, Oregon, and your uncle put the ball in your hand. Tell us um, about the football career, too, as well as you starting off <laughs> playing the, the basketball. On the, on the green line? 
I was solid. Wait, what position you play? Don't say quarterback. I was. Oh, man. You was acting like Kyler Murray. You was cold like that? So you know how it was. You know, so my uncles coached me in everything. My uncle is the one that walked me to the community center when I was in third grade. My other uncle, I played football for him. So I was the ball boy, you know, in like third, fourth grade. And then in fifth grade, you know, they had me playing Pop Warner. I had no business out there, but he was my uncle, so I was playing. And then my other uncle, Salim's dad, you okay. know, he he Salim's coached he, yeah, he coached me in, in basketball. Mm. So, you know, I had the whole family thing going. So, um, but football, you know, let me tell you, it was, <laughs> it was nice out there. So it's typical football, right? So when you're young, I couldn't throw. But I was quarterback, so we run an option. You know, we yeah. if it's 70 plays in the game. 67 of them are running plays. A running player. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> quarterback, quarterback sweeps, yeah. you know, options. Well, you yeah, know, everybody blocking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so that's basically what I did. And then when I got to high school, what happened was, was I played my freshman year, but then I just fell in love with basketball all the way. And so I had a trip to Japan. Mm. How the fuck you go to Japan freshman <laughs> in high school, bro? So, like, so, damn. So it's, it was this program, I don't know, D Miles might remember his program in Portland. Remember Self Enhancement? Mm -hmm. So, Self Enhancement Inc., Tony Hobson, Ray Leary, they took a team, it was about seven or eight of us. We went over to Japan and played in this tournament, and it was right as football was starting. And that's when I was like, man, I don't want to do football. Yeah. And by that time, it was getting cold outside anyways. Yeah. I really wasn't trying to mess with it like that anymore. So, time out. <laughs> had you ever been out of the state, let alone the country, when you went to Japan? Yeah, I had been out the state. I had played, you know, it's funny. So, me growing up in Portland, my teams was always pretty good in hoops. Mm -hmm. So back then, it was when, you know, AAU was real is what I like to say. So yeah. back then, if you remember, you had to win state. Mm -hmm. Then you had to win regionals to go to nationals. Yeah, so when go you got the nationals, it was only 18. Yeah, it was only Qualified 18. For state for right, mm -hmm. <laughs> right. It was only 18. So mm -hmm. when I was 11, well, actually, I was 10. We went to 11 and under. So we played against a bunch of guys, and now is the first time I seen Mark Macon. I seen a team from Saginaw play oh, yeah, Mark Macon when he was Mark 15. Macon, the crazy thing about it is a lot of the dudes that you end up playing against, I've been playing against these dudes since I was 12 or since, 13. Yeah, since I seen C. Webb when he was young. I seen Dog when he was young, Big oh, Dog. Yeah. I seen all these dudes when they was young. People, you know, people um, try, like, I don't know who the people or they are, but they don't give Big Dog Glenn Robinson his just damn dude. That me. was one of the baddest <laughs> men to come in this thing and one of the baddest men to do the damn so, thing. And I'm standing on business yeah, on that. I'm a yeah, Midwest baby. I seen yeah. all that work. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's funny because I've seen Glenn, you know, out here. He live in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. I've seen him. And every time, like, when I come up with my stories, they're like, who was the coach? when you was coming up. I was like, in my class? I was like, it's easy. It was Webb and Dog. I said, and it yeah. wasn't close. It wasn't close. I was like, dog. dog was doing stuff. His mid-range was wet. He Lay could up. rebound. <laughs> he could go anywhere on the court he wanted to. He was just about, he was the smoothest 6'8", 6'9", dude that I had seen Straight at that up. time in terms of scoring. He was a pure scorer. Yeah. They talk about three-level score. Like, now nah, he was a scorer. He could score at the park. Yeah. Anyway. Like, it didn't matter. He could score inside, outside, whatever he did offensively, man. It was just, ooh, he was amazing. You went 74-4 and four in high school. Right. Y'all won two state titles. When did you feel like you was turning the corner on, like, you mentioned all these guys, you got to mention me too. 
me from Portland, you know what I'm saying, from this area, and you got these guys from <laughs> yeah. L.A., New York, you know, Midwest, all these guys everywhere, and you way out in the West Coast in Portland at the top. Yeah. But you got to mention your name with the rest of them. You know, back then, if you the millennials wouldn't know, but remember, they used to have a Nike camp, but the Nike camp was the only camp. The only camp. So before all the Adidas, Nike, B, and all that that stuff, Sonny ran Nike, ABCD. So that was the top 120 players in the country, regardless of class. Mm -hmm. So that's when you had the creme la creme all in one, Mm -hmm. all in one lane, playing against each other. And it's crazy to even think, because now I look back. Out of those 120 dudes, it probably was 110 pros. Straight up. <laughs> and, so, and so, like, the camp was the camp, man. Once I got back there to that camp, I was like, man, they got to mention me. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, I understood, I understood, like, I won't even say the politics of it. I just understood where I came from. So it didn't really bother me. And so the thing about it is when I look at the guards in my class, I remember, I can remember, because most people think that I was a McDonald's all the I wasn't none of that. Mm-hmm. So you had like Travis Best, you had Corey mm-hmm. Alexander, you had Rick Brunson. Mm-hmm. Okay. You had a dude named Keith Legree. You had Paul's man, Calvin Rayford. Calvin Rayford, <laughs> I remember Calvin. Then was the guards that made it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. whatever. You know, and I was, I wasn't, from the standpoint, it wasn't more about them. It was just like, I felt like, that I should have been there, but it was not a knock on anything. And I understood, so it just kind of made me work hard. At the end of the day, it's gonna be what we do in college. And the crazy thing about it is everybody I named, we cool. It was never a them thing. It was almost like me Portland. being from Portland. Portland, yeah. And what most people Pacific don't know. Right. And so what most people don't don't know is like, yeah, AC Green, he was from Portland. Mm-hmm. But I would say respectfully, the dude that made all of us want to be that dude was Terrell Brandon. Terrell and Brandon. see, nobody really knew about, about Ooh, TB. That's a name. Yeah. Right. So, so, TB, so TB coming from Portland, like for me, TB was my Jordan. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I used to go watch him religiously. So we grew up in the same, we grew up in the same community center, Matt Dishman. Matt Dishman, You know, if you, yeah. if, you was, if you was hooping, you was Matt Dishman. You was, too, you was either Matt Dishman or ASP. Mm-hmm. But me and TB was Matt Dishman, so he was he was older than me, so I always watched him and wanted to be him. And then when he got to high school, it was the same thing. He wasn't highly recruited, you know. It came that he had, you know, he had Oregon and like Montana State, but everybody knew he was TB was a homebody, so everybody mm-hmm. knew TB was gonna go to Oregon. Mm-hmm. So what happened was was that I just kind of seen his evolution, and so. My thing was, I didn't want to stay home for school. Mm. I wanted to be like, okay, let me get out of here because I need to give a lot of other dudes inspiration coming behind me to know that, man, we can get out of here make it and too. we can go make it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? We can stay home and make it, but we can go out of town and we can do our thing too. And so that's that's what drew me to going out of state for school. And, you know, Arizona, obviously, it worked out for me. But um, all of that... That was big for me. It's like I felt like I was carrying a badge of honor for the city. Yeah, um, and that was the biggest thing. Yeah. yeah. And, and so most people don't know that. Could it have been anybody else outside of Arizona? Did anybody else almost get you? Yeah. Like, who, who Louisville. Louisville. I almost went to Louisville. Denny mm. Crumb? Louisville, choirs kept. That was the best visit I went on. Mm. When I went to Louisville, I had never seen that many black people Yeah. Mm. in one place. Yeah. I had a great time. You had Denny Crumb, Scooter McCray was there. Mm-hmm. They had assistant Larry Gay, just a good group of dudes. And it was all about fit and it was all about style. 
Now, with that being said, understand nobody was playing fast at that time. So it wasn't like Coach Olsen was telling me nothing, telling me nothing that was different from Louisville. But what he did say, what he did have an advantage on is that he had Coach Muggsy Bogues in the world games. Mm. And so he was like, (laughs) you remind me of Muggsy Bogues. So I was just like, man, Coach, I don't play like Muggs. I said... (laughs) I said, Muggs is a totally different player, but I respect that, though. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I still respect the Muggs. Muggs lottery pick. Yeah, Most yeah, people forget sure. about that. Muggs is yeah. a lottery pick. You yeah. got it. You know, and so what happened was that I asked Denny Crum this one question. I said, Coach, let me ask you this. I'm under six feet. You've never had a guard in your program that played that was under six feet. Yeah. I'm not dunking. You know, I'm a jump shooter. Yeah. I don't have the same athleticism as the guards that you've recruited. You know, he had, you know, Daryl Griffin. He had all these dudes, Lancaster Gordon. He had Mill Wagner. He had all these dudes, right? And so I said, let me ask you this. How is a five-foot-nine guard going to fit in the offense? He couldn't answer the question, and I knew right then I was going to Arizona. Mm -hmm. It was closer. I knew the dudes, and that was the unknown. Now, fast forward, we end up playing them in the Sweet 16. Mm-hmm. And then he, you know, he had got Dewan Wheat. And so Scooter and all them guys, I told you coach was going to go the other way. I was like, yeah, but I wasn't going to be the guinea pig. I can't come cross country to be <laughs> the guinea up. pig Straight of an operation. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is like, that's like a startup company. You're trying to figure it out on the run. I'm like, Dewan Wheat. You know, by the time he got there, he was from Louisville, too. So that's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. He homegrown. I wasn't oh, homegrown. Bro. I was, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. but Louisville was, for me, that was like, that was like the best visit. It was cool. Like LeBrafford Smith. I don't know if y'all remember LeBrafford. Yeah, LeBrafford, first round pick. LeBrafford was my host. And, man, they was the first school. They was getting it, too. Game. Because your game was, was unique. The way you shot the ball. Who taught you how to shoot the ball? <sighs> Well, it was the natural thing because you were nah, lefty. No, 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 no. So when I was younger, dude named James Combs and Howard Avery gave me a weight ball. Oh, the weight ball. Jeez. So that made so what happened? So what happened? So what happened was I used to shoot with I used to shoot a set shot. So I shot a set shot pretty much until I was like tenth grade. Mm-hmm. Spring of 10th grade, they put that weight ball in my hand, and then I started getting lift on my shot, and then I got range on my shot, and it just like, it just went to a whole nother level. They put that weight ball in my hand. Who told you the weight room was important? Because you was chopped. You was chiseled to be, like, wasn't nobody like, as much as they tried to say that you was small, but wasn't nobody like really posting you up or doing none of that that great because you was strong, like... When Who I got, told you weight room was important? When I got to college, for me, that was, that was you know, my strength coach was at the time, a guy by the name of Dan Wirth. He was a crazy linebacker, went to Iowa. Oh, shit. You know what I'm saying? From that area, from the Iowa area, and he was just, he was on Corn one of He played for Hayden Fry. Yeah, he played for Hayden Fry. He was one of them. I think they he played on a Big Ten championship team, yeah. and, man, he the one that, they got me diving in in them weights, and you know, you know. Once what you felt that power, what, yeah, yeah, you, you, you was, you was in yeah, it. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you start with them tens, you got a couple them, cuts and stuff. Yeah. You start liking how it look. Like, you know yeah. what? I can get into this Wall, shit. Walk around with your shirt off. Yeah, you know, wearing little white shirts, beard. white tank tops all the time. I feel you. <laughs> Tell me this: like when you got you now, you at AZ. Who who you gave the business to the first time? Who's your first big game where you felt like, oh shit, like I'm I'm cool out here? USC. 
USC. USC, my first pack, my first pack pack 10 10 game. game. Pack 10, Mm -hmm. not Not pack 12. 12, Pack 10. 10. So, first conference game, you got off. First conference game. Was it home or away? It was at home, hit five threes. Mm. 19 point, had 10 rebounds, had a couple assists. You couldn't tell me nothing that you night. You had 10 rebounds? Yeah, I had okay. 10 rebounds. You know, <laughs> now, you know, that's big. Now, that's you know, big time for real. Not, I know that probably was the biggest hey, stat you were talking hey, shit about. Hey, man. <laughs> and you know, at that time, you know, USC was a top 10, top 15 team. They, they, uh, they had Harold Miner. Okay, they had Baby Jordan in the building. Okay. They had Harold Miner. They had some dudes. And, you know, that was the. That was when the Pac 10 was the Pac 10, man. Got them UCLA yeah. boys. You got Both UCLA. Dining brothers <laughs> yeah. or something. That's not you know, playing Coach K on EA and on Sega, yeah. boy. The crazy, the crazy thing about the pack is that, man, this is the last year of the pack. Yeah, it's yeah. about to be And it's going to be extinct. And I was telling somebody, I was, I was really – That's crazy. I, I, man, all the great players that came through there. So they had a the, couple years ago, they, they announced a millennial team. You know, people wouldn't know. Mm-hmm. But it's just like you look at the millennial team and – Starting with the guys I played against, you know, you had, you know, Jay Kidd, mm-hmm. you had myself, mm-hmm. then you had Terrell was on there, you had, you know, Gary Payton, mm-hmm. you know, you had Ed O'Bannon, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, I mean, you got Harold Miner. Just think about all these dudes. I mean, and that's just that's just y'all guys I play kids, with. Not, y'all don't know. Right. Thank Ed O'Bannon for these NILs and everything y'all Man, got going on. Facts. He was a real big part of it, my boys. Believe that. Facts. Y'all could, woo. Good Lord, I wish had, I came up in y'all time. <laughs> and then you think you had, you know, you got Kareem, you know, you had Bill Wall, and you had mm-hmm. all of Marcus Johnson. You had all the really good players mm-hmm. that the came through UCLA, man, just the history. Most people don't know. Paul Westfall went to USC. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just so many dudes, man, and, and it's crazy to me that, like, the conference is extinct. I'm like, man, how can the pack <laughs> like – Man, yeah, that's crazy. When you shared the player of the year with Ed O'Bannon, how mm-hmm. did you feel up to that point? You feel like you accomplished a lot in the Pac-10? I did. I mean, I was, you know, I was three-time, you know, all-conference. Yeah. You know, that was something that I wanted to do individually. Icing on the cake. Um, yeah, you know, I, I went to a Final Four. We didn't win a championship, mm-hmm. but the regret I have at Arizona, and I always tell people this, the best teams I had at Arizona, we left a lot on the table. Mm. My freshman year, like, you know, I felt like we just never, we never came together. We was loaded, but it's just like we never came together. Mm -hmm. Like, it was, it just, it never felt right. We was winning, but it never felt right. You know, then my second year, my sophomore year, we end up 27 and three or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then we get beat in the first round. The year we didn't, I would say, the scoring, I would say, we didn't have a collective scoring. From 1 to 12, 1 to 13, when they had a collective talent, but that was the best team I played on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you had myself, you had Khalid Reeves, Khalil then you Reeves. had Reggie Geary, Khalil who Reeves at that time, yeah. Bucket. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know yeah. how many people familiar with his game, a fucking bucket. Nah, yeah, they, Khalil Reeves. Right? Yeah. Nah, <laughs> so you know, it was just, and then to play with all the dudes that I played with, that was the least talented team, but it was just, you know, that chemistry was there. When did you know, like, at your junior year, when did you know and decide, like, all right, I'm out? This is the time for me to declare and forego everything else and bounce. See, you know, the crazy thing is I stayed four years. Mm. See, most people forget. I thought you left. Nah, I stayed four years. So think about this, right? This is why I always try to tell people today, I've actually had people tell me at times, you know, like I gotta leave early to get my clock ticking, you know, so I can mm-hmm. get to that check. Well, if, 
if we ain't getting your game right, you're never going to get to that check. Yeah. And I tell people this all the time. I said, man, I entered the league at 22. Mm-hmm. I said, I left when I was 35. I did what I was supposed to do. Like, man, yeah. if you do what you're supposed to do, it don't matter. It don't matter. You're going to be. back yeah, then. Yeah. You, you come in at 22 now, they looking at you crazy. Yeah, the, they looking at well, you crazy. Well, you come in the league at 22 but, now. But if, but if you think about it, they will for the ones that ain't good enough. But the ones that can play. Man, Desmond Bain came in and he just got a big bag. I'll yeah. say this. So, it's I mean, it's, 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 it's got, it's got, it's, it they yeah. changed. It's got it's better. starting to get back. Yeah. You think about yeah. it, because, like, I always, this is my biggest example with what exactly what we're talking about. Jameer Nelson. Yeah. Cole. Yeah. Won everything and they penalized him. Yeah. As yeah. a senior. That's a fact. Saying you too old. Like, all of, I, like, I didn't even know Miriam now. That's one of my dogs now. That's my dog, but, like, I can vividly remember sitting at home, watching the draft, and being pissed for him. Yeah. And I felt like I had got done like that just from being a sophomore. Right. So I'm looking at him like, this is the same shit. I'm getting mad. I'm like, right. he he just won every award. Are y'all kidding award. me? He won every award you could win. Every he was award. just on tour picking up shit. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. And then like, y'all did him dirty? Yeah. As the... St. Joe's, who nobody, and they went and beat the shit out of everybody and won everything and was like, that's when I knew. I was like, okay, like, come on, bro. Like, this ain't cool. I will agree with you now. Now it's coming back around to like, now it's like, I don't give a fuck. I don't care who, how, who is. If they cold, yeah. they cold. We just going to take yeah. them. Like, now they getting back to where yeah. it was. But like, at that point, it was all about potential, no disrespect, 6869, young, lean, trying to find the next T-Mac and KG. Well, if you really think about it, the game is getting so cold right now. Nobody really paying attention. I mean, I just, I just, I, this is all I study. I, I study this every single day. And then again, like I said, being in Boston, you just kind of, you know, we would kind of just play fantasy basketball with stuff all the time. Yeah. But think about this, right? They even making it harder to go overseas. If you think about it, it has never been so the, many influx, options. the influx of international players going to college. That's because overseas, those organizations is trying to win. So they not sitting on these guys the same guys way. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? So in certain instances, you can't go over there and be a potential top five pick and be an international player average five, six points no more. Yeah. They actually want to see you do something. Do some Fucking right. You know, and so I do believe collectively that they getting more from a fundamental standpoint because I think that they don't deal with what we deal with over mm-hmm. here. You don't deal with the social media. You don't deal mm-hmm. with all the aspects. Like I say this all the time. Most people are working on one-on-one to be the best player on the team. Yeah. But in order to be successful in the development you got to learn how to make in-game reads. Mm-hmm. You got to learn how to screen. Mm-hmm. You got to learn how to play in space. You got to learn how to, most importantly, the make an open shot, dog. The and fundamentals, so, yes. the and rules. So, and, so that's the, and so that's the biggest thing. When you watching, man, you got to be able to make a jump shot. Or they just not even guarding you. Yeah, the fundamental rules is is big. I tell, yeah. that's, that's the main thing I tell the kids. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, you want to do all this fancy shit and these fancy moves. But if you don't know the, the principles and the fundamentals of the basketball game, it's hard for you to skip that Facts. chapter and then go straight to, I want to do behind the backs and all Facts. that shit. Facts. If you don't know the meaning of why you playing this defense or the meaning of 
every time if your man is cutting, don't let him cut cross your face. Yeah. <laughs> you know right. what I'm saying? Like, right. If you don't know the fundamentals of everything, it's so hard for you to be good. Yep. Let agree. me ask you this, right? So when you do come out, how is it when you finally get to the draft? The draft is in Toronto. They're an expansion team. So Never it's like it's, this is the first time. And then, like, you get picked by them, but the crowd wanted Ed O'Bannon. Right. Walk me through you. You in the green room with your family. You waiting yeah. and all of that. Like, just walk me through that whole night, how it led up to you getting picked. And afterwards, when they when you seeing they wanted fucking Ed O'Bannon. Like, just talk me through that. You know, when you've been in that green room, you know. Again, most people don't know. Like, you know you're getting picked before the pick when is called. Because the cameras came, so them cameras <laughs> coming. So, you know, I'm, I'm doing my thing. I'm, yeah. I'm, getting my, I'm getting my Easter suit right, right. getting my yeah. tie adjusted, you know. Yeah. Well, my mama and I'm going to hug her first, and then I'm you know what I'm saying? So, and so they call my name, and, you know, I just kind of lean back like this. And I guess the thing about it at that time, man, it didn't matter. It could have them booze didn't mean nothing to me. Right, yeah. And, you know, I'm just like, number one, I'm relieved. Did you actually hear him, though? Because, like, sometimes so, you be did, so in the moment that you saying. don't even really know until, like, did, the recap, like, yo, they was booing. Like, so, did so, you even notice in the actual moment? So I didn't hear none of that. I didn't hear none of that. And so when I walked, so by the time I walked out, everybody was, you know, was clapping. But my whole thing was that two things. I was like, man, I don't want to be last up in here. Yeah. So I hope I don't drop. Right. Mm -hmm. And man, just, you know, just don't let me slip or fall or nothing Trip when I'm up walking. The walk up, the walk up there. <laughs> I said, look, you won't look at, like, look, I feel like everybody that ever known me about to see me right now, I got to swag the walk out. One you can't fuck up time. the walk, bro. One you got to just, you got to swag it, though. You know, I got to feel cool. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. That, I, yeah. That Definitely yep. one of my thoughts, yep. but like I can't yep. fall and I, I gotta swag fall, this man. walk up to the, to the right. commission. How many workouts did you do? I only did about four. I mean, you, know, you was I, well thought yeah, of. I, you was highly I, touted. And you know? I did, I did a workout. Did you work out for Toronto? I went to Toronto and we talked, and then I did like a, a body workout in the weight room. Mm -hmm. Like they already had seen what they had seen. Like Zeke I, was sold already. Yeah. So Isaiah had. So we had a game. We played Michigan. Mm -hmm. My senior year in Auburn Hills. Oh, he and right so, on deck right there. That's his so, home. You know, the tunnel is is his spot. Mm -hmm. That's where he watched games. Chill out there, yeah. He his mm -hmm. tunnel is the spot. And so he was with Walker D. Okay. So Walker D. Russell was there too. <laughs> and so <laughs> shout out Walker D. <laughs> Walker D. Russell. That's my man, crazy. And so <laughs> and so. Uh, you know, I'm warming up and, you know, I'm doing my thing. You know how you just feel like somebody looking at you. Now, I look over there in the tunnel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that smooth, yeah, yeah, shit, yeah, sweet yeah, lane yeah, yeah. to the side Yeah, you. so I seen him looking, and, you know, and it was just kind of like I was catching him out the corner of my eyes a lot. And I'm like, man, you know, I'm trying not to look because I'm like, damn, that's Zeke. You know what I mean? Straight yeah. up. And so, you know, we get back home and coach like, man, Toronto, you know, be up here. You know, they coming out here and they've been calling me a lot. And, you know, at that time, you know, guy, it's a little, you know, it's not different. But, you know, when you highly sought out, they going and they they doing all they do diligence. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so they mm -hmm. come and they talking to all my peoples. And, mm -hmm. you know, I have some people from Portland. Crossing you know, all the teams, yeah, all Right, eyes. right. Yeah. So, you know, I seen him that I had a good game. And Toronto did their homework. But Toronto, I worked out for, um, I worked out for Sacramento. At the last minute, I worked out for Portland because if you remember, Portland had moved up in the draft to eight. So Portland was trying to move up in the draft to, to get me. Mm -hmm. So I, I went seven to Toronto. I had went home. I was working out in Portland. Mm -hmm. And so I seen actually seen Bob Whitson, who was the GM at the time. 
president GM of Portland, and mm-hmm. he was like, I seen him driving downtown, and he and he like rolled down his window. And he said, I'm trying to come and get you. Straight mm-hmm. up. You know, and That's then crazy. and then the other team I worked out for, man, <laughs> this is a crazy story, you know, but you guys will feel the story because y'all know. So I worked out for the Clippers. Mm. So man, that's how so, that's Southwest so Junior yeah. College. So I don't know, I don't know who y'all had Alvin. So y'all just missed at the time it was Bill Fitch. Mm-hmm. Right. It was Brew, Big Jim Brewer. Mm-hmm. Was DJ there? D- no, DJ wasn't. No, nah, DJ here wasn't. It was a cat named Barry Hecker. I don't know if y'all I know, know Barry. Y'all know Barry. Yeah. So yeah. Barry, and then I can't remember the other assistant, man. And so we was watching film. Like they had me up in there watching film. And I, I didn't really feel that good at the time. And truth be told, I really didn't care how I worked out for the Clippers because I wasn't trying to Nobody go there. Nobody wanted to work. Nobody and so, and, wanted to and so, and so the thing about it at the time, I was a little under the weather. We watching film. And Fitch saying I'm too little, da 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 da. All the time I'm saying, dang, in my head, I'm, you know, I'm respect. You know, you're going to where you respect yeah, all these dudes, man. Trying, in yeah. my head, I'm saying, man, you coach Tiny Archibald, though. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, what you mean? You know, but I didn't say it to him. So then we go out on the court and, they was just nitpicking everything. And I'm Fucking like, oh, yeah, I'm like, I'm good. You know, it's cool. So they had this little drill. There was a little, some little ball handling drill. And so I did the drill, and then he was like, man, that's all you got? He was like, Pooh Richardson did it the fastest when he was here. Pooh Richardson. So I was like, Pooh Richardson, huh? I said, Coach, I don't even do this type of stuff, but let me do this one more time. <laughs> Blow that shit out. So it was like, <laughs> Hey, this fastest time we had. <laughs> so then, so then, <laughs> this true story too. You could ask him, Rex, Rex Kalamian. Y'all know Rex. Rex I know Kalamian. Rex. That's so, guy. so Rex, Rex, guy. Rex was the video guy at this time, yep. right? So then they talking about man, you can't outshoot Rex. Mm. So now I'm sitting here saying, <laughs> so I'm sitting here saying to myself, so man, you mean to tell me I'm at an NBA pre-draft workout? I'm trying to go louder, and y'all don't think I can't beat the I'll video shoot man shooting? I was like, in my head, I'm like, it's really insulting, but whatever, man. Come on, let's play. We play horse. I, you know, ran him off the little, <laughs> little thing, and then we go to eat at the Houston's over there by the Houston's? by this facility. And I called my agent. I said, man, I don't want to go want here. Want them to pick me? <laughs> I said, man, I don't know what they doing. And then old Bill Blair, we go out to eat. And he like, ah, I don't know about these small guards, and I don't know about this. And I'm just sitting there, and I'm like, Why were you even cool. having this meeting? Man? Right. And so, <laughs> and so then he was like, well, how will you handle J.R. Ryder? How will you coexist with him? How will you do this? Da, 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 da. And so Kevin McHale was hitting my leg up underneath the table, kind of like, man, you know. Just let him talk. What ended up happening, what ended up happening, if y'all remember, you know, obviously was Flip end up being the coach anyway, Flip yeah, Saunders. Flip. You know, those are probably little things, little nuggets that I ain't know what was going on. But I was like, damn, man, why dude coming at me like that? And, it was, mm-hmm. and so I got, you know, the the pre-draft process was was all interesting. But when I got to Toronto, getting back to what you was talking about, though, Q, so when I actually seen a replay of the draft that night, the guy in the back, you'll see a guy in the back doing this. Mm-hmm. And you go watch it. And then you'll see a guy in the back like, yes, when I walked across the stage, that was the owner. That was John Bittall. So that's all that mattered. That was, mm. that, hey, that was the only, that yeah, was the, the, only, the, only, the only validation I needed. And shout out to the Bittalls because that family, they really looked out for me. Welcome you with know? open yeah, arms. Yeah, yeah. And, and the thing about it, what made, 
what made being up there in Toronto so nice as well is that Zeke ran that ran it different. So like our families used to go on trips sometimes, mm-hmm. and then like people don't understand this. And I, you know, I John, like I said, John took care of me. We had Alvin Robinson, and right. Alvin Robinson was a good oh, vet gee, for me. Yeah. Yes, Willie Anderson was a good vet. Willie Tony Anderson. Massenberg, so Massenberg. all them dudes. You know, they knew the league, you know, yeah, and so. they've been around. Right, uh, and so what happened is, is that he told me, he said, you know, John, he gonna go to Chicago, buying John out, da 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 So then probably about a week went by and then he hit me up. Ziggy's like, man, come by the office. So I go by the office and he said, man, I got a deal on the table to trade, you know, Willie Anderson and Tony Massenberg. He said, I got deals on the table. He said, but. I won't trade him if you tell me not to. And I was like, what you mean, man? Like, I, you know, I mean, I, I'm like, you know, right. I'm just thinking that just you get traded, you get traded. He was like, because when I was a rookie in Detroit, they traded Greg Kelser. Mm-hmm. And Greg Kelser was my best friend on the team. And he was a vet. And he was like, it kind of fucked me up. I was kind of in a fog for about two, three weeks. Yeah, Took me a little time. And y'all know what I'm talking right, about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when dudes get traded, man, you be kind of shook up, it, man. It you know, it's like, be peach and you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you be kind of shook up. So I was like, nah, it's cool. And the, you know, the thing that made it easier is that he said he was trading Doug Christie, mm-hmm. who a Seattle dude, who I've known pretty much my whole life, and then Sharon Wright. Who right. he was in our same class, ninety one mm-hmm. class, so I knew Roni. So that made it a little easier. But I was like, man, this ran different. Like respect, you know yeah. what I mean? Because dudes ain't just doing that, man. You y'all know how it go. Yeah, yeah. you it wake just up, man. What? You find out you what you just yeah, look you at the bottom of ESPN, <laughs> your shit going crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we into nicknames. We always want a nickname when you make it to the league. A right. nickname like kind of <laughs> solidifies your superstar. Right. One of the dopest nicknames I ever heard, you know, I used to watch this cartoon. I don't know if you yeah. did too, but Mighty Mouse. I felt it I felt <laughs> it was so perfect for you. When you first heard Mighty Mouse, like when did you first hear Mighty Mouse? Man, I heard it actually I heard it actually in college. Mm-hmm. But but it took off when I got to Toronto. You got to Toronto. And so unbeknownst to a lot of people, again, like it's so different, all the behind the scenes stuff. So you got Nike, obviously, but then you got Nike Canada. Mm-hmm. See, people don't know that you got night. So again, I was forgetting that I was in another country. Yeah, but contract still the same. Contract a contract. So, mm-hmm. but you doing? I'm doing different things in the states than what I'm doing in Canada. Yeah. So it just kind of took off. And shoot, truth be told, man, would think it was Viacom. That Viacom money, boy, if they wasn't asking so much, <laughs> that probably would have took off even more. But you know, it's it's a lot of logistics uh, right, to all right, that. You know, because that's you know, yeah, that's trademarking. You know what yeah. I mean? But, you know, that kind of took off and, man, it's just, it stuck with the fans. You know, yeah. it stuck with the fans. And I think, you know, the fans, that it was synonymous with them and all the little kids and, and everybody because it's crazy because I got Mighty Mouse, but then, like, all the homies called Call me Biggie. Biggie. Yeah, right. <laughs> so like, Call you Biggie. So, so, <laughs> right, so, right. And so that nickname, so how that nickname came about, we had got to a city and I messed with him. It was selfish of him, but it, but, but it helped me out. Yeah. Sal gave it to me, John Sally. John Sally. So you know, again, what they don't do today, man. Remember how we used to have to go and get the bags off? Yeah, get the bags off the plane. Our OGs, man, man, we had to get the bags off the plane. We had to drop them off, but we had went to New York. John wanted to go out. 
So John was like, man, you ain't carrying no bags today. We out. He had the limo away. Right, right. Man, we ain't doing no. He said, nah. He said, man, Biggie ain't carrying nothing. Mm -hmm. He carry us on the court. <laughs> he ain't carrying nothing. Mm -hmm. This is Biggie right here. And man, it just stuck. It just stuck. It just there. stuck. It stuck. So which hey. one you like better, Biggie or Mighty Mouse? Biggie. As I've gotten older, Biggie. Biggie. What made you want to get the tattoo? Because the tattoo like solidified. The Mighty Mouse. I mean, you know, it was part of the image. Called you know up in the swag. Called yeah. up in the swag. Why not embrace hey, it? It was, part, it was part of the image. Hey, tell me this. You, you went from finding out that you was being booed on draft night in Toronto to now you got a nickname. The city rocking with you. Yeah. You going to the all to the rookie all star game. You got rookie. I mean, you got MVP of that, and now you about to get rookie of the year as a seventh pick. Tell me like how that was when you like because you know you could kind of at that point you know you in the running of it and all that. But like just to come that far from day one they booing to now you the toast of the town. They rocking with you. Like how was that for you to see that whole switch and like by the end of your rookie year, how was you looking at the league and everything you had done? I felt like it was it was at my disposal. Toast to the yeah, town. Yeah, you know, by that time I was comfortable in the city. You know, I knew everything about the city. I was an international star, you yeah. know, and so that's what made it so special. So when I moved around, you know, they treated me as such. Mm -hmm. And so everywhere I went, it was always a crowd. It was all it was just different, you know yeah. what I mean? And so I never take that for granted. You know, Toronto today has grown so much, but yeah. back then it was just the fact that I would say this because I heard LeBron say this about the end season tourney. Man, you can get a whole bunch of other people, but there's only one first. Yeah. And so the thing about it is, it doesn't matter. Pretty much the majority of the Canadian NBA players that were Toronto, Scarborough, all those areas, show love all the time. They grew up you on that. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, Drake, it don't matter. Whoever it is, like, when I see people from T.O., mm -hmm. like, you know, they grew up on me. You legendary. Yeah, you yeah. the first. And so, for me, like, I wear that with a badge of honor. So, it was, yeah. you know, it was that time. And then finally hoisting up that trophy, I felt like that was the city's trophy. You know, because mm -hmm. back then they still had the Vancouver Grizzlies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, it was the city's trophy, you know. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was a great moment, man. Had a ball and, you know, like I say, the city really embraced me. You just talking about your relationship with Zeke. Was it coincidental or did it coincide the same? Like once once he, when he resigned as the vice president, you demanded a trade. You was like, I'm out of here. Was that, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Was that like, I mean, like you said, we know how shit go and yeah. you saw how Zeke was moving and particularly moving with you and keeping yeah. you included. Did you see like, Oh, nah, I don't want to be around for what the hell possibly might go on right now. I need to get on. It was a shift. It was a total shift. And I, what I would say is, is now that I look back on it, you let emotions go away. Mm -hmm. You know, you, I probably should have stayed mm -hmm. because without me knowing, I was still in control. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you right. know what yeah. I'm saying? You just not even thinking it about it. Like you that. know, you're just not thinking about it like that. You're like, man, I'm loyal to my guy. My yeah, guy leaving, I'm out. You yeah. know what I mean? I don't need to be here. I can fast forward. You know, I can fast forward with my career. So it did. It kind of threw me off because, again, like, man, to have somebody that you could talk to every yeah. single day, man, like, you. people yeah. don't understand that. Yeah. And, yeah. So, and so then what happened is, is that I had got traded to the Houston Rockets. So people don't know this I story. definitely don't remember that. So what happened was I got traded to the Houston Rockets. It was me, Carlos Rogers, right. Walt Williams. We got traded for Kevin Willis, Mario Eli, Matt Maloney, 
man. My and uh, I want to say it was one more dude in the trade. It might have been Matt Bullard or whatnot. And so I had talked to Charles. I had talked to Clyde. Robert Barr was with them at that time. And I had talked to Carol Dawson. And so this thing was done. They had took me out of shoot around. I go home. I'm like, man, I'm going down here. I'm going to be go playing with Clyde. <laughs> right. I'm going to be playing with Dream. I'm going to be playing with Barkley, yada, yada, yada. Man, they called me back like about four hours later, and they say, we not doing the deal because it's being better offers thrown out there. Mm. And I was like, what? I was like, man, make it make sense. So, right. so now you saying I got traded. Y'all actually, you know, it's out there, and now you saying – Y'all calling me saying, come to the game. Mm-hmm. And so, come play. <laughs> so I got to go. So I'm like, y'all want me to come to the game, come and play. And that's when I was like, man, this is just straight up business. Now I went out there, we played Sacramento. I had 36. <laughs> right. Good guy. But the thing about it is, is like, there was a little bit of trust lost there. But at the same time, now that I look at it big picture again, I should have stayed. And Glenn Grunwald at that time, how can you actually do something when you when you playing from a position of what he was playing in? You got your best player, don't want to be there. Yeah. You're not playing in a position of power. And it was a fairly new team. Right. Yeah. And so what I didn't really look at big picture was was what could have been in the future. T Mac was a rookie. Mm-hmm. You know, he was gonna hit his stride. Yeah. Um, was coming. And then, but see, people forget, and I say this, you know, you know, I don't know how they would have did it or what it would have looked like, but what if I would have stayed? Then you got Mac, and see, so you still have Marcus Camby. Yeah, see, people Camby. forget about nah, Marcus. That's when he was. You, Mac, right. Camby. Right. Come straight out. So of you that. still have, so you have Marcus, and then you draft Vince. Yeah. So you shit. just keep drafting, Draftin you know, and, and you just kind of let it play out. Our issue in Toronto, the Toronto's never, issue was never the drafting part. Yeah. They hit home runs for, yeah. what they, for what they needed to do. It's just you know they let them go. It's just yeah. On. It's just we all you know we all got out. Knowing that you was part of that first ever franchise to come to Canada and you was the first star they had. You know what I'm saying? The first MVP of All Star games and stuff like that. Looking at what the Canadians are doing now, like the type of talent they producing. Do you feel like a direct connection to like inspiring somebody? Like you say, everybody show you love, but like what you gotta know is that them dudes, the Shea Gillis, all these dudes, just like like superstars in the league right now. Yeah. Like it all started pretty much with them watching the, the Raptors. Yeah. And what you you were the first rendition of what a star was, somebody out there being a dude. Like, how do you look at that now? And like, cause it's been like a, a uprise and they got some boys coming out of oh, Canada. Yeah. Like whatever oh, yeah. part of Canada you want to say, whether oh, yeah. it's Toronto, surrounding, oh, yeah. you know, Lou oh, Dort yeah. is from um, Montreal. Montreal. Yeah. Like, yeah. but all of that's like, they had to have seen whether it was the Grizzlies being impactful, yeah. but like you were probably the biggest first star on yeah. either of the Canada team. So dude, yeah. what do you think when you see this overflow of talent? And a lot of people give some credit to Vince too, but like, you were the first. Yeah. No, I think I was the first star. I would say what Vince did, he be, he became the first superstar. Exactly. Like That dunk contest took him to out of this I planet. I was the first star, and, it, and Vince was the first superstar. He took it to another level. But seeing guys like Shea and, you know, Jamal, you know, just all those dudes, Lou Dort, Tristan, Corey Joseph, like yeah, Corey all Joe. these dudes. Like I remember when Corey and, and Tristan played on the circuit, 
You know, mm. they was playing for Roe Russell. Mm -hmm. Everybody know Roe Russell. Roe Russell, he, you know, he, he a Canadian legend. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, just the fact that, you know, I've been able to see a lot of these dudes evolve, but then, you know, go back and be able to tap into the Toronto right. market. And, you know, my start, you know, my starting point guard here at Tech, you know, he's from Toronto. Oh, okay. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> you know, we, yeah, so we, you know. You like um, me. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, Toronto, you know, has been good to me, you know, in more ways than one. And I do think it's a lot of good ball players, you know, not only in Toronto, but throughout the, you know, the provinces, you know, because, see, they got, yeah. they got a little different thing. See, people, you know, again, there's a lot of similarities, but Very there's different. different. But it's a lot of differences all at the same time. Listen, yeah. I went to Montreal for the first time in my life this year you know when French. they played. The, you know some French? Listen, I had no clue <laughs> that like Montreal is like a French town, oh, yeah, bro. French. Like I went with yeah. the NBA Canada series yeah. when OKC played Detroit because Lou Dort is from yeah. there. Yeah, probably his only time ever to get to play in front of his home crowd, bro. Yeah. Like it was crazy. You yeah. land like stuff is in French yeah. menus. This, yes. that, and the third is in French. Like yes. the most, most of the population speak in French. Yes. I was in awe of that. I didn't know that. Yes. Literally, I, <laughs> yes. and that was like my first time ever being in Montreal, but I had no clue of that. Yes. Me, Derek Fisher, and Rip went out there for that. I was like, we was blown, both, neither one of us knew that. Me or Rip. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no, no. It's a great country, though, but you know, but now the Canadians, man, the fact that, you know, they doing what they doing, uh, arguably, Shea Gilchrist Alexander, you he's know. A, he, he's one of the best I players mean, in the NBA. It ain't, you know. Top and that, five. And, I mean, dude is so top, smooth. Top 10, he's so, top five, whatever. He's so Ooh. smooth with it, man. He Ooh. just, and then he's sneaky athletic. Yeah, <laughs> sneaky athletic. Hey, tell me this. How was it when you found out, I'm going home? I'm going back to the P-Town, like, and they had some players that way. No, you like, what, yeah. like, what was your level of excitement just to be getting a chance to be at the crib? Because as, as dope as Toronto is, we know it still can be a hassle for family coming and going, the, the customs right. or whatever. But, like, how was it for you? I mean, not just to be coming back to the States, but you going home. You right. going to the crib. How was right. that? You know what? It was cool. You know, I remember we was in New Jersey. We was playing the Nets when I got the call. And so uh, I go uh, – fly back to Toronto, pack my stuff, and you know, it's the NBA. A lot of the stuff that people don't know, we go back, pack my stuff, we fly out, get to Portland. It's kind of funny though. So I get to Portland, right? Man, I got some characters on my team. <laughs> you had a, yeah, Man, you. I walk in, I don't think nobody had on the practice gear. JR had on a FUBU shirt. JR <laughs> <laughs> hey, the FUBU. Man, man, she she had on a skull cap bent to the side. Yeah. You everything know. on backwards. Man, everything Cut up on backwards. all of the yeah, all of the practice man. gear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, I get there, man. I'm excited. I'm just Smitty excited, was man. there. Steve no, no, Smith? Smitty wasn't there. So when I first oh, so, when I, so when I first got to Portland, it was she. JR, mm -hmm. it was it was uh Sabonis Sabas. We had J O. J O. Young J O. That's had, my boy. Yeah. That's my dog. Yeah. We had BG, Brian Grant. Brian Grant. We had Alton Lister. I remember. We had Vinny Askew. Vinny Askew. Um we had, oh yeah, we had we had uh we had D'Antonio Wingfield. Mm -hmm. We had Wingfield. So we we had some dudes, man. We had what listen, the one thing I say when I went home is that Going home ain't for everybody. That's what I would say. That could be tough. That's what I would say. It wasn't for me. And so 
I enjoyed every minute of it, but I, I enjoyed being around my team and the things that we did together. But I would be lying now it's all said and done if I didn't have some type of regret in thinking about what could have been had I stayed in Toronto. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And you know it is what it is because I don't think about it all the time. It don't I don't stay up at night thinking right. about it like that because I still had great moments. I was able to make some bread. I was able to, you know, do a whole lot of things that I otherwise wouldn't have been afforded wouldn't right. have been afforded to do. But I would say, you know, I do I do think about that because I get asked a lot of times people, you know, you get asked a lot of questions, but what if what if you stayed in front of you know, it's just like Man, what if what if is in the hypothetical? But right. at the same time, too, you know, I do think about. It. I play with some good dudes. Mm-hmm. You know, that window in Portland from like '98 to '02, we was really good. And then I think by the time like D Miles had got there, we was in transition. Yeah, well, like you could feel it. Why did they call y'all the Jailblazers? Like I saw she speaking on this the other day. I don't know if it was on a pod. Well, he was like, we never whatever they called us this and that, but like nobody actually ever got arrested or went to jail. Like what no. did that? What was the original origin of that name? So I think it was the times. And I think that, speaking for me, some of it I brought, you know, I brought, and then some of it I brought on myself. Mm-hmm. But what I would say is, is that as you fast forward to where we at in the world today, it was just, yeah, okay. Do you wish you can get those moments back? Of course. Mm-hmm. But man, the stuff that's going on today compared to back then, it was just like, we followed an era in Portland that was synonymous with excellence, so to speak. Right. You know, mm-hmm. you had, you know, Clyde Drexler, Terry Porter, you had those Duckworth. really good teams, Duckworth, Jerome Kersey, mm-hmm. you know, dudes that I knew, and they were just totally different than us. Yeah. And so and so what happened is is that as things changing, you know, you get different dudes. Dudes ain't traditional as others. There it is. And so I think that that threw everybody off. Mm. I just think it threw everybody off. Mm. And I think that us being in Portland, which is a which is a smaller city. All you can talk about. That's all you could talk about and you and everybody was living through. And it was the only show yes. in town. And, I and, did, you know, you know what I really think the jailblazers think, because I got there on the, the back end of it. I felt like it was just a trend. It was a trending thing for the reporters and the media to just blame it all on the trailblazers team instead of like embracing it like they was a good team. So what it made is players be rebellious towards the city and the media to be like, man, you know what? Fuck y'all. I don't care. I'm here to hoop. Soon as the season over with, I'm out. And D-Miles, you make a great point. So what I think happened is is that, you know, it was alienation on both sides, but nobody seen the big picture. Yeah. And so every time they, when I say they, the media, because I've talked to the media, yeah. you know, the same guys that was writing same stuff, and, and you know, <laughs> yeah. and I, and and you know, we are all right now, yeah. we are right, but it's because they can see a perspective that they didn't see back then, and mm-hmm. so my whole thing to them is, is that man, dudes got families, straight up, mm-hmm. dudes got kids, y'all writing like we killing people out straight here, up. and I was like, man, that's not cool, yeah, you know, you making dudes not want to be here. The way y'all view us in the city, the people on the outside love us. Yeah. So when you killing us, you actually killing the brand. You just don't know it. Yeah. yeah. We went on a stretch. I think it was like a month stretch. I got there and she was there for like a month. Right. The best team I ever played on in the NBA for that one month. 
We had Sheet at center, Zebo at the four. We was rolling. You and DA at the five. I yeah. think we won like nine out of 12 or something like that. Or we ten, and we beat top 10. Yep. To see Sheet leave, because you know, when I got the she was like, <laughs> D-Mile, I'm out this bitch. There's nothing they can do. Either they lose me for the money or they just let me go. And that's all he kept on saying the right. whole time I was there. But then he leaves and go and win a championship. Right. After him leaving it and you seeing, you know, because you, you had this bond with she, because she's just such a good person. But seeing the wars that y'all went through before uh-huh. uh, with the Lakers and San Antonio and the Utahs and the Sacks and the Minnesotas or whatever, to see she leave there and win that championship, how was that for you to see that all transpire? Knowing the wars that y'all right. went through, that y'all right. was just as good as these teams to win right. championship. I mean, I was happy for him. Mm-hmm. You know, I was, I was happy for him because by the time he left, they had cast him to be just this villainous guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, that's totally not who he is. That's one shit. You know, and part of me, and I've told him this, I mean, I felt like I won one and he won one, you know, because when he got trapped, I'll never forget. I remember like it was yesterday because, you know, he came to, we live right by each other. So, yeah. you know, I, I, I'm damn near tearing up. Yeah. I played with dude for Eight years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, people don't really like. I played like this is one of my f- real friends. Right. Yeah. And so when I seen him get traded, I was like, man, it's one thing to talk about, man, it's over. But then it's like, nah, this really over. Right. Yeah. I was the last dude left, left. from those last teams. Dude. That's all I used to say. Like, man, I'm the last dude here. Last one here. The last one here. And so, you know, to see him win that title, like he deserved it. Yeah. He deserved every bit of it. And you know, I think that like. It showed what he brought to the table. Yes. That's why I was happy to yes. him because he was kind of yes. – he used to get overshadowed by Duncan and Weber and, and KG. Yep. But he brought so much to the table that wasn't on the stat sheet. Yep. Nah, you know what no I'm saying? Question. No question. I think – And I was salty because I felt like that Detroit team was our team. Like they had all the rebounders. We had shooters. We had the point guard. Yeah, we, we had – when you see the makeup of their team, it was like the makeup of our right. team. Right, things had settled in. Like when you had got there, like it was, I remember it almost like it was yesterday because you came in midweek. Yeah. You came in like midweek, but <laughs> mid-week. then it was, it was a couple other moves that we made. And so yeah. once the team settled in, we was, we was rolling. And and crazy thing about it, it was always about that time when we started rolling as a team anyway. Yeah. We never started off fast for right. whatever yeah. reason. Right. I think one year we started off fast. Yeah. But, we were rolling and then he gets traded and then we get reef and then you trying to rework somebody in. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to work dudes in, man. Yeah, it just, it's like just, that too. It just went all the way to the shit yeah, after yeah, that. The just, next year came, it was just shit a yeah, shit storm after yeah, shit storm. Just, you know, and it's it's just, man, things is going. I think then D Miles and had surgery. Zebo had surgery. Yep. Man, we was we was plugging in 10 day dudes and it was just, man, it got yeah, it got crazy. It's the NBA. Mm-hmm. So when I tore my knee up, I didn't feel it in here no more. Like, mm. when you tear your knees up and you my size and you're 32 years you old, it's like, man, it like I just, that. you know. So it was like, man, I got to find something else, right? You know, I started coaching early. I didn't take no time off. So, yeah. I, hell, I coached D-Miles yeah. for that year. In Memphis. <laughs> but, but the thing about it is, is that I got to find something else. And so what they did was, they drafted Mike Conley. In Memphis. I'm sorry, we drafted in Memphis the next year, Kyle Lowry. Mm. Then after that, we drafted Mike Conley. Mm-hmm. You got those two dudes, you got me. And so what I realized at that time is that I can do one of two things. I can make it about me or be mad, or I can help these dudes, right? Mm-hmm. And so the, the vest that I grew up with 
you know, the best that I grew up with. You know, Sean Rooks going back to college. Sean Rooks took care of me in my rookie, I mean my freshman year. Mm-hmm. Rooks came by, he picked me up, he gave me rise, he showed me everything that Tucson, Arizona had to offer. He mm-hmm. told me who to talk to, who not to talk with, who to deal with, who not to deal with, mm-hmm. where you can go eat for free, yeah, all that, right? Mm-hmm. So John Sally did the same thing for me with what what Sean did for y'all as rookies. Mm-hmm. You know, John took me out, John taught me how to be a pro. You know what I'm saying? And so at that time with Mike, with, with Mike and Kyle, I seen what was coming because organizations, they gonna let it play out. They mm-hmm. not really gonna worry about whether, whether cool. this come between Love y'all, it. cool, whatever. <laughs> and so I was like, the first thing I did, you know, cause Kyle called, I'll never forget it. He called the moment they drafted me. Biggie, I can't believe they drafted Mike Conley. Man, young fella, man, relax, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so what I did, we got the training camp, and we went to Spain. Mm. We went to Spain this year because Powell, you know, was from, right, you know, right. from, obviously from right. Spain. Yep. And so I pull them both in, and I say, look, man, here's the deal. I'm just here mentoring y'all. Mm-hmm. The moment y'all ready, they either going to move me or I'm just not going to play no more. And I'm all right with that. But this is what I need y'all to do. Don't let the business of basketball mess y'all relationship up. Mm-hmm. Because both of y'all are gonna be good players. They, the organization gonna have to pick one. Right. Yeah. That's just what it is. They're gonna pick one, the other gonna get traded, and that don't mean that the one that get traded not gonna be a good player. Yeah. But don't let the business of basketball mess up y'all relationship. Yeah, Compete inside the lines, but when y'all get outside the line, let that shit go, man. Because mm-hmm. y'all young, and y'all got a whole lot going on. And so for me, like, that's when I started coaching without without knowing it. Mm-hmm. And so it got to the point that before I actually went to San Antonio in midseason, I would just go into the coach's room because you already know what it is, right? Because you've been in those meetings. When you got a good vet on your team, the coaches be in the meetings and they be on eggshells. They like, man, we really don't want to play Dame tonight. But, man, we got to play him because, you know, damn, he's he been a good soldier for us. I used to go up in the meme. Don't worry about me, the duck. My yeah. knee's killing me, man. Play these young fellas. You don't even got to worry about them little hot no little debate. 10, 12 yeah. minutes y'all giving and me. And taking that you stress off them even having to make that decision. And so, and so, yes. And so then what ended up happening, that went to, hey, man, why don't you come up come in the, in the come meeting? Come in the meeting. Yep. There you know, you and so – you know, a lot of times what I used to do is it just, you, you can see little, like you got to have a feel for it. The customer service part of it is so important. And it's even when I got with, with D Miles and them because the Grizz was a joke mm-hmm. at that time. It was a bunch of BS going on. Mm-hmm. It yeah. wasn't right. Yeah. You know, they just let go of Ivoroni train came in mm-hmm. and it's like the inmates was running this silent. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like trying to tell all these dudes, man, like at the end of the day, man, this, this, Man, it's the end of the road, dog. You know, this you, last if, stop, if we don't make, you here, you here, you ain't somewhere else. If, you don't, if it don't work right here, then you, this might be the last lap. Right. You know, you know what I'm saying? Right. And so I'm like, man, quit tripping on what ain't happening and make yourself valuable. Mm-hmm. What's your value to this organization? And so that's what I try to say to all the, all the dudes that's, you know, still trying to trying to play the older guys because the reality of it is, is they'd rather take a flyer on these young guys, but you do need old old guys in yeah. in, in in the fray. But you got but but what happens is you got to get outside yourself. And how I seen it, and how I was able to get back in, I was just open minded to it. There's a lot of stuff that can piss you off, 
it's a lot of stuff that can make you mad. But what I realized, if you go in there and you still want to learn, you open to learning, you can get better too. You can yeah. still get better because nobody's going to ever diminish what you know and what your worth is as long as you know who you are. Right. So. Let me ask you this. You, you done put your work in coaching staff for you to deserve a head coach job. Right. You put a lot of work in in the NBA. What was it about Georgia Tech that it was like, that's where I want to go, that's what I want to do? You put all this work in as an assistant. Mm -hmm. You know, usually when you put in the work as an assistant, one day you want to be an NBA head coach. Right. But what made you choose, like, nah, Georgia Tech is the spot, Nana is the spot for me to be, and that's where I want to be at? It was a little all that. I mean, it was it was the ACC, being in the ACC, it was Tech, you know, and then it was, it was Atlanta. I think when I left Pacific and I went back to the NBA, I didn't have no intention of coming back to college. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I wanted to be an NBA head coach, you know, and I was just going to, you know, stay there. But when this opportunity presented itself, you know, I just felt like I couldn't pass it up. I felt like being at Tech, being in Atlanta, that's like the 33rd NBA team. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you got so much to come through the city. And so I think that you're a hub for players. I think that – you know, you're a hub for NBA teams, you know, teams practicing at our facility. Mm -hmm. You know, we accessible. So it's just a matter of getting the players and you can build the brand back up. And then when you think about what the brand the was, story, so yeah. we, we, we all think about what the brand used to be. Yeah. And so from Mark Price to Kenny Anderson, then Scott, Steph, Travis, you know, all these yeah. guys that they had, they had so many dudes come through here. You know, and then as, as it went along, you had Thad, you had Derek Favors, you had, yeah. you know, so you just had. Bosh. You had, yeah, you had Bosh. Can't forget Bosh. You know, you had so many people that come through here. So, you know, it is capable of being in this city. And then the thing about it, the city embraced me. So yeah. I think that the city's ready as well. Right. So, it's a lot of coaches that coach for a long time, still ain't never beat Duke. You beat Duke on your first trance. Like, it was at GT. I was watching the game. Mm -hmm. I, I was geeked for it. I can definitely remember just, it was just recent. So, yeah. like, tell me, how was that for you? You know what I'm saying? Like, being in this position, knowing what the Duke name and they, the brand means to college sports in general. Like, how big was that for you in your first year, your first attempt, your first time up against them as a head coach, getting that win in? You know, it was big. I think, you know, being a couple months into the season and to get that win, but most, that was a great win. But what started it was we beat Mississippi State, you know, earlier in the week, which mm -hmm. was another top 25 team. And so for that moment, it just, it was a culmination of, you know, the, these kids putting in their work. You know, because that's the thing, because I've, I've been on the ass, like I have. <laughs> yeah. And that's the, the biggest reason that I'm on them is because of all the things that we've been talking about because they don't know. Yeah. And so if you ain't been in it, you don't know. Mm -hmm. And so when I got back to college, I said, I'm going to teach. You know, I'm going to teach. And so, you know, to see it culminating those two big wins and then, you know, to beat Duke in front of our fans, I think that that gives us a lot to build on. And I think it showed that the program going in the right direction. But at the same time, too, to your point, Q, it's like, man, it just put a bullseye on our back. Because yeah. like I'm telling dudes, I'm like, man, you guys just moved the needle. Yeah. So this ain't good enough no more. Right. So we got to keep moving the needle. And so now that's the challenge, you know. So For that moment, though, that you have, like, it's not like y'all won a championship. It's not like y'all did this or completed something. But, like, for you, was there, like, some type of sense of pride or proudness of your guys that they went? Like, especially, like you said, that was sure. two teams in one week. Yeah, for sure. That 
y'all were underdogs against, clearly. Sure. And y'all went out there and, you know what I'm saying, showed, like, I don't know how that feels as a coach, but, like, coming from somebody who was a, you was a star, superstar in the league and did it on the court, like, how does that feel for you to be able to inspire the, your kids to do that? Because I don't, I don't like, I ask different coaches and people like that who I play with to do it now. Like, how do that make you feel? Because, like, that's the one reason, like, how you say I wouldn't coach. Like, I feel like I would get too frustrated Right. If I can't get you to do what I'm trying to get you to right. do, because you don't got no patience, I can't right. do nothing about it. <laughs> no I patience, can't do nothing Q. about it. So it's like, yeah. fuck that. I'm not trying to do like. So how do that make you feel like when it does, when it culminates and it comes together? Because obviously we all got a million failures, but like in a time like that where it's like it's a small little space, but it was two games in a row. You beat back to back top 25 teams that y'all definitely wasn't picked to beat. Like right. so, from that sense, like. How do that make you feel, like, as that coach? Like, damn, something is, like, getting through to him. Oh, man, it make you feel good. I know they got buy-in. It's just not a translation on the court. Right. You know, and so to see those kids connected the way they was connected, it's early in the season. And I didn't know how early or how late this team would click. But to see the connectivity so early in the season, man, I was impressed. I was. I was impressed. I, you know, I felt like we were poised down the stretch in both games. Again, I'm starting two freshmen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know that me and my staff are getting through to them. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I also know that it ain't easy. This is not easy. And so the biggest thing and, and one of the biggest challenges to what you're talking about is one thing for me to talk to y'all about who – it's another thing to articulate it to these kids about the same thing that we talking about yeah. because they just don't know. Mm-hmm. And so what I try to do each and every day, and it take a long time, I'm not going to lie, it take a long time on the floor and off the floor with a lot of film is you got to keep on articulating to these dudes scenarios. Mm-hmm. You got to frame it for them. Mm-hmm. What does this look like? So if a team is, is hedging, you know, on that ball screen, like, we got to walk through it so, so they know where, where, yeah, exactly where all the options are. They know yeah. exactly where it is. Okay, you supposed to be lifted over where here, give outlet. them a yeah, right. you know, right. You got to lift out that corner, give them another option. Like, you got to show these dudes because if they don't got bodies on them, they don't know. Yeah, because right. they don't know the link. Yeah, they don't, they, don't, they don't know. And so that's the patience part that you got to have when you're dealing with them because they don't know what they don't know. That's my favorite line. Mm-hmm. And so you can't get mad at them if you ain't taught them. yeah. And the, the lingo, some kids don't know it by by the words. Right, they, you yeah, actually got to show them. Because right. I tell you, all right, well, I'm going to need you to go weak side and, right. instead of down screen for right. so-and-so, and they be right. looking like, where the weak? Right. You being a college coach now, you recruiting, and you see how all of these dudes are being held back and reclassifying. Late. Like, what are you? Th- what's your take on that? Because I look, my opinion is, like you said, we come from the air like, when you show that you a certain level of good, your coach automatically puts you on the older team. For Even sure. if you did, like sometimes, like D Miles, I'm older than him, but he played with us. And even if he did still sometimes go to his age group tournaments, he still played with us right. because he was above right. that age group. Right. So I have a problem when I look and I look at the landscape of high school and youth basketball in particular. I can't speak on everything else, but like when you see parents and people and the thing to do is like in fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh grade, they hold a kid back. And he repeats that grade. Now, when he gets to be a sophomore or junior, if he's like one of the top dudes and he killing it and he being recruited, now we'll reclassify and put him back as a junior when instead of a sophomore so he could get to the money quicker. Like, what's your take on all it? Because like, you gotta, 
you know, navigate and recruit all this shit. I don't envy you for that. I don't envy my boy. None of y'all boys is coaching. Like, I take my hat off to y'all, but like, how do you delve through that when you out there recruiting and, and trying to decide who you like? Does that play any particular part of it? Like, I might like this guy because he's playing above his age group as opposed to this guy who's playing in his age group when he should be probably playing up. To take it one step further, I don't know. I don't know if that bothers me more than the fact that sometimes I don't, I like a tough kid. So, you know, whether you playing up or you playing down, what I figured out being in college is, are you tough? Do you have some right. toughness to you, mm-hmm. right? And like, my whole thing is, is, I always tell my staff, you know, it's like, if I'm recruiting my own son and he not tough, then he can't play for me. So the toughness part stands out a little bit more for me because from the basketball part, I don't think a lot of these guys are where they can be anyway. Mm -hmm. So what I try to do is find guys that fit within what I'm trying to do. And so when they fit within what I'm, if they can fit within what I'm trying to do, then I'm good. But I just want two things. I want toughness and I want to be able to coach you. I don't want the bad body language. I don't want all that. Now, I'm all right with, as crazy as this sounds, I'm all right with you trying to get at me, you know, about some things. Passionate though. Yeah, I'm I'm all right with that. It's just the body language I can't do. Mm -hmm. Because what I try to tell all these kids, it don't matter, is that when your body language is your first impression, you giving that off to the world. That's the energy you giving. So nobody can see nothing but that. And they ain't got to know you. They don't even got to know you. That's the thing to me that when I look at the recruiting a kid, whether a kid is younger, whether he's older, yes, I think that a kid being younger does give you an advantage because if you're able to, today if you're able to play with older kids, I do feel like that means that, you know, you, you see something a little different. Yeah. You, you got a sense of maturity. You see something a little different. But it doesn't make you not as valuable if you were a little older. But it, what it says to me is some people mature into their games a little bit faster. And this on some parents' prerogative. It wasn't the path that my mama took or would have took. But it's their prerogative, so I respect it. If you're a 15-year-old and you playing against a guy that's an All-American finna be something, you don't got to kick his ass, but if you do a little bit of something against a guy who finna go to college next year... Confidence out of here. Like, it, it's it's a confidence booster and it Man, makes you, you a better player. No, like, no, no doubt. No doubt. I tell people this all the time. This is a story I use because, like, again, it's so different today. When we was in college, you know, just like y'all, we played against pros every day. Every day. Mm-hmm. You played against pros every day. Whether it's in summer league, whether they came to the gym, local gym, whatever it is, you played against pros every day. And so it, it wasn't a whole lot of BS in the gym. It was just you and them dudes. Mm-hmm. And so you playing against them. And so you knew if you was a pro or not. Mm-hmm. Because you playing <laughs> against dudes. And I can remember that was back when Nike used to film a lot of their commercials in Portland. So... Mm-hmm. You know, they would always call, you know, try to, you know, man, what y'all doing? Y'all running, you know, X, Y, and Z want to play. So Tim, Tim Hardaway was out. Mm-hmm. He wanted and he wanted to play. And so Tim came to the gym and man, I was like, ah, I ain't ready yet. <laughs> and, I was, and I was like, and I was like, man, Tim was so strong. And yeah, that was the thing. Strong, so back girl. then you had to be strong. And, and people and Tim was 5'10 posting. Mm-hmm. Strongest. And so he Big was big ass on. Right, right. So Tim was posting. And so that was my that was my junior year. 
You know, and so I was like, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. But then, like, that next summer, playing against Dream Team 2, now I'm playing against KJ. Mm-hmm. I was playing against Mark Price, you know, them mm-hmm. guys. I was like, mm. I was like, I can't stop them. They can't stop me neither. Stop you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So I was like, so I'm like, yeah. Good, I said, I said, I said, okay. I said, I know I'm ready now. And it's just, for me, I think the other piece is, is guys is all right with not actually being ready, but going on potential. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So again, that's that's someone's prerogative, but you know, it used to didn't be that way. Exactly. Like when you got to the league. You wanted to be in the league and you wanted to contribute right away. But see, what a lot of people don't understand. want to get there now. Yeah, what a lot of people can't see is that you're getting tricked. Yeah. <laughs> you're getting tricked. You be- get there, but yeah. it's about to be short-lived. Yeah, it's like, short-lived. All the you, way over. You're getting tricked. You only got two years guaranteed. And you mm-hmm. off to that G League almost you, immediately. Yes. Like them dudes yes. you talking about, yeah. like that's the number one thing. Yeah. Like, yeah, they don't. I just want to get there. I didn't heard. I didn't literally heard yeah. guys say yeah. that. Like, nah, I don't. I ain't. I just want to get yeah. there. Like, I get there. Take nah, care, like you, my boy. Yeah, yeah I, I feel like that case. was with Amari um, Bailey. He played for uh, UCLA. UCLA. Chicago kid, yeah. I felt he should have stayed in school like one more year, but it was like he he went to the draft just to go to the G League. They picked him I on a team. They got, got a chance. Too, yeah, no, I think good. he got because he's doing good in the G League. But I feel like he he went sure. to the draft in his mind, not even expecting to play this year right. with the roster that they got, especially right. with the team that picked him, right. straight to the G League to do what he do. And I feel like you could have kind of did that and got a little bit more maturity at UCLA. He should be saliving at the mouth. Yeah. Because that organization kind of in a flux. They yeah. trying That's to figure right. it out. Yeah. So the thing about it is, you know, the big big picture for him, yeah. if he keep balling in the G right now, for yeah, instance, he balling too, like man. what's going to end up happening based on their record, them last 20 games, the last 20 to 30 games of the season, mm-hmm. I mean, you up, baby. Yeah. Showcase. You up. How was it for you to, one of your former teammates, to bring Bonzi on board and have him Bonds. be part of, part of your staff? Shout out to Bonzi. That's my dog there. Man, it's been it's been Big good. guard club right there. Big yes. guard, I don't know about that. We yes. post you post big guard. Yes. Yes. We post put you on the block. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. It's been good, you know, and I think Bonzi, you know, think about it, I, you know, when Bonzi, when we both was done, we still talked a lot and, you know, Bonzi was trying to get into the coaching piece. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I always try to tell guys, man, like sometimes dudes is chosen and sometimes dudes got to grind it out. Yeah. So I always gave advice, you know, telling him to try to find something local. You know, when I got my first job, when I was at Rice, I was living in Houston still, so it was easy. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? You ain't have to do nothing. I wasn't doing nothing all day, and I go to practice, and then that's when I just started building up, you yeah. know, going early, then going to recruiting meetings, doing different things. And so with Bonzi, I just told him the same thing. And like I told him, I said, you know, if I ever get something, you know what I mean? Like, you know, you just keep on doing your thing. And yeah, then I, you know, I'll come again. I'll come again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so then what happened is, you know, he went on to Memphis and he was at LeMoyne Owen. Yeah. And, you know, he was he was, he was getting his skin in the game. Yeah, building them resume. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's the biggest thing, you know. And so I was proud of him for that. And see, that's what people don't understand. A lot like, of dudes won't do that part. Yeah, yeah. They and, think you're just yeah. supposed to come be able to pluck yeah. them. And it's like, bro, I just got here. You got to yeah. give me something yeah. to give to, like, go back. Yeah. Like, he got this credibility. Look yeah. what he was doing. Like, you just can't exactly. have me sticking my ass out here. Like, And it's not easy. The college grind is way different than the pros. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We we had practice at eight this morning. This finals week, so you got to get in where you fit in. Yeah. Don't go back tonight and do some things. But it's just, 
you know, you got to get in where you fit Ain't in no in terms schedule. of the things you do. Yeah, and, and I think Bonzi's done a great job. But more importantly, no different than, than the things that we share sitting at this table. Like, he's been sharing them same stories and them kids. And, you know, those kids need honesty. And mm-hmm. I think that sometimes that's what's missing, mm-hmm. you know, because you can't you can't truly become who you're supposed to be until you accept the honesty of the critique. Because it ain't criticism, it's the critique. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So um, he's been really good for these young fellas. The small guard. Like, when I be seeing younger cats and they be like, I want to go to the league or so forth, on, I instantly look at – the first thing I look at is height. Right, so when we right, talk about right, anything, right. I be like, man, you got to be a legit 6'1", 6'2". You have guys like Isaiah Thomas who done played good in this league and show that he can play in this league, and it's hard for him to get on another team. I want you to speak about how hard it is for a guard your size, a guy that's, that's smaller than 6'1", 6'2", mm-hmm. to really have longevity in this league. You see the Isaiah Thomas who done scored 50s in this league, yeah. 40s in this league, and yeah. he still can't. Carry the team. To, yeah. to last, it's like a what have you done for me lately type yeah. league, and especially for a guy who's naturally they always want to say that you're undersized, but they don't really – for hoopers, that don't mean that you can't ball. You know, you got to be on point. You know, it's it's disappointing, you know, because he's a he's a guy that, that has put in a lot of work, and I think, you know, for me, like, again, we talked about this earlier, it's the mentorship. Mm-hmm. I think guys need the mentorship, the protection of what being a player in the NBA is, but also at the same time, you know, now when you got the right mentorship and, and Isaiah Thomas can do that, now as a coach you got a comfort zone. Make sense? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think that, like, I hear a lot of guys talking. I said this a long time ago. When you're under six feet, Man, you gotta go pick full court. You gotta go pick Come up on. full court. <laughs> man, you now. gotta have a jumper. You gotta bring something. Like a lot man, of stuff like to tell like, you. Yeah. like you gotta like you gotta really be on point with mm-hmm. it. again. Pop off that screen. Yeah, can't turn yeah. the ball over all up. Yeah. yeah, and I just and I just think I just think at times small guards. You know, if you're gonna be special, and when I say special, when you can when you can score it and pass it, there's only really been a handful of those in history. Yeah. Like, you can go down history, yeah. you know, and there's only been a handful of those. So, like Q said, you got to do something to pop off that TV, and the first thing I'm doing is picking up full court. You got to figure out how to get on the court. Get on the court. Mm-hmm. Then you got to figure out how to impact the game without scoring. Yeah. Then the last thing you got to do is figure out how to get your game, if you are a scorer, how to get your game Stay within off. that game. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But being able to shoot, picking up full court, being able to run a team, being able to be – Verbal, being able to communicate, being articulate, knowing fire positions, mm. knowing where guys supposed to be, like that's your job. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. your job. If you if you a small guard, that's your job, and you got to know, and you got to know what the game needs. You got to know how to read the room. Boy, reading did, the room, re- reading the room is the most underappreciated sentence that you could ever have. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of people in a lot of different areas, sports, business, man, they don't know how to read the room. Yeah. <laughs> As you just took, like I say, being a small guard, you. You come across some coaches that they're not the biggest fans of of a smaller guard. Right. You went through the situation, I think you was in Portland, when uh, they wanted Scotty and maybe Bonzi to run more point guard, bigger guards, or they wanted to go with this. Yeah. How did you handle that? Because you had so much success right. to this point. It's like, all right, I done showed y'all this works. Right, I'm, right, I'm cool. Right. I shouldn't have these problems. Right. But you get it like mid in the middle of your career. 
Yeah. How was that for you mentally to handle that of a coach that's, you know, changing the direction? And it's I, all because of hype, not right. because of the game. Right. I think that um, back when, you know, for whatever reason, when he went in that direction, I took it as a slap in the face, but I also took it like, okay, just let me not even reinvent myself, but let me pivot. Yeah. Let me sit back, okay? And just see what this is what they going to do. Let me see how I can impact this game again. Because, again, it's like, how do you bring value? You know, and so those are the things that I try to do. And I think, like, when you're a small guard, you got to be able to do that. It's funny you even say that because I was telling the kids this story because I took a guy out of the lineup. And what I told him when I took him out of the lineup is that, man, you don't play hard enough in practice for the stuff to translate in the game. In the game. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to play harder in the game and you ain't play hard in practice. And it's like, nah, the basketball guy's not <laughs> letting you do sense. that. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, as I sat back, you know, again, it was just, you know, figuring out how I can impact the game. And I knew that it would get back, ultimately come back to me. You know what I mean? And so I've always tried to, I've all, and as I've gotten older, I've become more of this. You know, I just kind of never try to get too high and never get too low. And when, mm-hmm. and when the chips not falling to where where they may, even during that time, I just try to tell the people around me, man, if you got the other stuff to say, man, that ain't helping me when I go into practice at ten in the morning. Yeah, you know, because that's always a problem. Like we we always gonna have some issues. As yeah. players, right? Mm-hmm. But then with somebody on the on the outside gassing you up on it, and they just in your ear with it, man. You you know it just kind of it kind of fuels the fire. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you had a lot of teammates over your career. Out of all the NBA teammates you had, if you had to pick four other guys to make an ultimate five, you, you would be the them four other guys. You at point guard, of course, and who would be the four other guys to make a five man team to? play against anybody. So would that Whatever teammates you got, everybody no in their prime. You play you with them, they in their prime when you when so you that, so it's prime them. Prime them. Whenever you play with no matter if you played with them when they was dusty and old, this is prime them. To make a five. And I'm going with Rashid at the five. Okay. Okay. Because we we playing with the with you know with the stretch game. We got the stretch However game. you want to play, yeah. whatever you want to do. You're uh, gonna be matched up against some fives yeah. now. Just remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 that's cool. Then, uh, man, I'm trying to think. Okay, so <laughs> I'm gonna go, but I'm gonna go off today's basketball. Okay. I'm been picking my team because you know mm-hmm. I need some shooting. Yeah. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Mike Miller. Miller time. Yep. I'm gonna with go. With, I'm gonna go with Mike. With three. Yeah. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Mike. He he'll be my two three. Okay. Just just call him a wing. And we still going with these guys in their prime. Prime. Yeah, everybody in their prime. The best version okay. of them. Okay. So. I'm gonna take Pip. Okay. In his prime. Yeah. So now I got. Yeah. So now I got my defender. Now I got now, up to three. Yep. Now, now as he became a good spot up shooter, he could play with it. I could play off the ball, so I'll be in space and I can knock down my J. So you got me. You got Mike Miller. Mm-hmm. You got uh, you got Pip. Mm-hmm. You got She. Now this is where this is where this is where I'm like, damn, because. Eh. You got T Mac, you got Vince, you got. I didn't play with Vince. I miss Vince. Mac was there. You got Zebo, you got, got Shaq. Well, see, that's what I'm saying. So Ooh, I'm sitting here. So, so I'm that's sitting. I'm looking at the four. I'm looking at Zebo and Sharif. Well, see, I'm sitting here. So that's what I'm and saying. And MC could be considered like a four. And, five so that's, and so that's what I'm saying. See, I'm sitting here saying, I'm like, eh, you know what? Man, I got to go. I got to go with. 
I gotta go with Zebo. 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 Just you know, Zebo. Nation. You know, you got a lot of shooting out there, but then you Look know, you as, as, as Zebo, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Throw, throw it to your horse. Throw it to your horse. Hey, D Miles, do you remember that time? You, you remember that time we was in uh when Cheeks took uh Theo out the lineup. Uh -huh. And so remember, Theo had been telling Zach, man, you gotta be professional. So remember Theo was mad when they put Joe Prince Bill up in they there. Put Joe and, then, and so oh, then and so then Zebo Zebo hit him with the come on, Theo, you gotta, you gotta be professional. You gotta be professional. <laughs> I remember that. I remember that. <laughs> I remember that. Oh Sick man. I remember I'm that. sitting up there dying. <laughs> come on, Theo, you gotta be professional. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> Zebo like that. I got one more. Um Start bench trade. You got to start one. You got to bench one. You got to trade one. Allen Iverson, Ooh. Isaiah Thomas, Chris Paul. Which Isaiah? Zeke. Zeke. Okay. Man, I'm starting Zeke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm benching Allen, and I'm cutting CP. Cutting CP. Understood. This is what I like to ask, and I feel like you're a good person to ask because you got you got a couple big bags. Yeah, big yeah, he bags. definitely a good yeah, person. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is what I want. I, I kind of know some of the stuff just by way of Freddie Jones, but I'm gonna ask you. <laughs> like, this don't include you know taking care of mom, dudes, or grandma, none of that. I want to know what Biggie, what Biggie did when he got that bag to treat himself. Like even now, you probably look back on like that was dumb as hell. Like, but you know, we all did it. I want to know oh, what man. what did Biggie do when he got that bag? You got a big bag. I remember. I ain't gonna say all that to the people, but I remember Mighty Mouse got a bag. Yeah. What did Mighty Mouse do when he got that check? Man, um, the extravagant stuff though. So you know, so the, my first check, first time I, you know, when I was a rookie, when I first got. Got some money. First thing I did, it's the only car I kept. To this day, I'm lying. I got a, I got an old school as well. I got a six four, but you ain't have six fours, huh? I, I, so what I did was, I bought an SL five hundred. Mm -hmm. I still got that junk. The big body old nah, school. Nah, looking. nah, nah. The convertible. The you know, I'm a little dude. I got, the, I got the, I got the J Green joint convertible. I got the old school phone up in there. What's that, the 96? No, it was 94. 94. You still got the, the New Man, Jack City phone? I still got the New Jack City phone with the cream guts, mm -hmm. with the Lorenzo kit on it. The Lorenzo joint. That's y'all know about that Lorenzo <laughs> kit. right now. That boy got damn paid in full. Yes, yeah. sir. So I, so I bought that with the first one when I got my second deal. I think I bought a Ferrari. It wasn't by that time. It was just I didn't really feel it because I had already had a bunch. Yeah, of you were doing a lot already. But the thing, but the thing about it, let me tell you though. You know the crazy thing about it is, like, I'm glad I lived all that early. When I say lived it all early, because I got it out of me. You yeah, know what I mean, no, that's the and key. So, and oh, so, that's so, so why I say you might so look the, back on right. it like, eh. so, <laughs> like right. I need that though. I and need so, that. And so the thing, and so the thing about it is. When I see somebody winning and then they get something new, I'm like, ah, yes, I remember them days. I remember, I remember them but days. But it's just like, for we me, gotta go through. yes, I remember when I tore my knee up. So when I tore my knee up, anybody that know me know I like small cars. Mm -hmm. So I have, you know, I had the Ferraris, I had all that stuff. I had to get rid of them because I couldn't get in and out of them no more. It hurt. Mm -hmm. Like, it just hurt. Like, it hurt bad. Hey, you know what people be telling you? Uh, some, some of the former players, they be like, man, every time I used to come to Portland, man, Y'all whole squad cars used to be crazy. <laughs> I was like, yeah, everybody you had a whip on us. You used to be at the bottom of the ramp with yeah. the thirties. Hey man, D my D my <laughs> airbrushed on the um, man D my airbrushed on the on the hood. What what, what was the car? 
Uh, it was old school. A seventy-five Granville Pontiac. Drop he had top. the Pontiac. He had the he had the Rose. He had the no, Rose no, no. Let, sitting let, on let's, something let's, too. No, no, no. <laughs> let's stay on the Pontiac. Did you see the artwork on it? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, remember Man's the artwork. Was yeah, remember the artwork. Wow. <laughs> Neighborhood. You hear me? I say I can't doubt. Like now, I'm from the crib. I know what everything means. I'm looking at the car. He can't pick me up from the hotel in it. And I did. I had to jump in the damn car. Like yeah, it was high. Jump and climb into the car. It was on thirty. Don't drop top. Spinners. But the but the killer part. I was like, bro, you really in the NBA with this airbrushed on your hood and your trunk? <laughs> Members. He was a member, y'all. <laughs> seven four. Man. I have seven four. You oh. didn't. You had everything that meant seven four on that motherfucker, though, boy. Stop playing with me. I was like, boy, this boy out here in the streets like this. <laughs> no, man. He I was just living. had nice cars, man. You nice. Was we all had nice cars on Portland. Hey. You, had, you had to have a nice car. You on the Trailblazer Square. Hey, y'all was ridiculous. And I got, I got another story to tell. I ain't gonna tell what happened at the beginning of the story, but we was in Golden State. <laughs> the game before that, but then we went to Denver. I had my career high in Denver. I came off the bench. And after the game, coach didn't call like plays for me, or, or we didn't go through me right. to, to get my right. 47. It, I just played within the right. game to get the 47. Right. As soon as we got in the locker room, first thing you say, like, hey, man, if D Miles in there grooving or whoever grooving like that, we got to get him the ball every single time. We could have won the game. And I was like, yeah, man, that's my guy, man, right there. So <laughs> you always been my favorite point guard, bro. And I, uh, just because you told the team playing. to get him the ball when he had 47. No, but, I, no, I'm, I'm just he, he, don't, he understand what I'm saying because <laughs> our team was an up and down season like that. Hey. He had a 50-point game. Yeah. Nick Van Nessel had a 50-point game. I had hey. a 47 game. Hey. But we weren't coming together to really try to win nothing or anything. So what he was trying to explain to it. all the other guys is like, hey, bro, when we out there swerving or somebody out there swerving, just go like, just go to him. get him to rock. You know what I'm saying? But like I say, man, you're my favorite point guard, man. I enjoy playing with you, and I appreciate you, bro. Hey, man, appreciate you, dog. Hey, man, we appreciate Biggie, (laughs) a.k.a. Mighty Mouse, pulling up on us in the ATL, a.k.a. D-Mouse, favorite point guard to ever play. Yes, sir. He told him, the team, to give him the ball when we go. (laughs) Yes, sir. Knuckleheads, I want to thank y'all for your continued support of the Knuckleheads Podcast. Be sure to give us two taps by writing a review and rating five stars wherever you get your podcast. And make sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. You can also watch all the episodes on the Players Tribune YouTube page. Follow us on social media at Knuckleheads Podcast. And join our Knuckleheads Facebook group for exclusive content. Thanks again to all of our guests and fans. This wouldn't be possible without y'all. theplayerstribune.com